on this episode of the 2x e-commerce podcast show we're going to be talking about how to leverage sales growth through 3pl distributed fulfillment networks and drop shippers do stay tuned well, well, welcome to 2x e-commerce the e-commerce marketing growth podcast where you ask questions and i connect answers them also here from proven marketing growth experts who are number one or number two in specialist areas of online retail marketing so if you work in or own an online retail business listen in get involved join me and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth so on the inbound marketing strategies, how do you beat Amazon? Natural search and our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your customer lifespan. I'm Kune Campbell. Let's get rolling. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. It is a game-changing email automation tool specifically built for scaling e-commerce businesses. I'm not just saying it. I use Clavio in my e-commerce store and in stores I advise for. Household names in the e-commerce space such as Brooklyn Inn, Bonobos, and Chobis use Clavio. Here's why. Clavio has one of the most impressive feature sets in the e-commerce email personalization space at the moment. Besides the one-click setup, Clavio's Pixel tracks visitor behavior to help you set up highly effective custom email funnels. Clavio also offers pre-built autoresponders for cart abandonment, upsells, and win-back campaigns. Clavio's most game-changing feature is its Facebook audiences integration, which helps your email list to sync up with your Facebook ad campaigns. So as you continue to scale up your store, Clavio will help automate a lot more sales. Try Clavio today on Clavio.com, spelt K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. With retail moving online, finding a good domain name has become ever so important. But the challenge is that most decent.com addresses are either difficult to acquire or unavailable. The good news is that retailers now have a powerful alternative with the .store domain name. A .store domain name will be short, relevant, and directly associate your site with e-commerce and retail. Search engines give .store domains the equal attention and importance as .com TLDs. .store domains have already been adapted by top brands such as Emirates. So if you check out Emirates.store, you get to a store there. Jimi Hendrix, so JimiHendrix.store, and F1, Formula One, F1.store. If you want a short and snappy domain name for your retail brand or your online store, you can now get a .store domain for just £4.99, which is about $6.99, using the coupon code 2XSTORE. That's 2XSTORE on get.store. Just go to get.store in your search engines and use 2XSTORE. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the e-commerce podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail, not at the enterprise, neither at um, the micro, you know, um, e-tail level. We're more in the mid-tier and we're geared to helping ambitious online retail retailers actually grow. Um, so if you'd like to grow by 2X, 3X or 10X, I um, handpick guests that would help you do just that and you know, help you grow metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers' traffic, and ultimately sales. On today's episode, I'm super excited about it because I'm going to be talking about how to leverage sales growth through 3PL Distributed Fulfillment Networks and Dropshippers. Um, my guest is Sina Jaffery, and he runs a service called Duoplane. Um, Duoplane basically helps online retailers bridge complicated communications and confirmations with their suppliers in real time. So think about it uh, in a way where you have multiple vendors and um, they all have different systems, you know, in which um, they um, they they can confirm orders, you know, and um, and then his 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 platform just sits in between your e-commerce platform and theirs, you know, and their their disparate systems. Um, his 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 platform is enabling e-commerce brands, you know, move beyond the hassle of managing their own warehouse and inventory by adopting in a more nimble dropship model without the negative connotations associated with dropshipping because they you know they, they it does lots of um of um vendor scoring you know and um you know just assessments on there um i think the golden nugget from this interview is how to automate order fulfillment you know with um, a network of suppliers so that you can focus on on the key things that matter to your business which is branding marketing and customer experience um i liken it to um what shopify and um you know and and and, and big commerce have done um where you don't need to tinker around with code um, to 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 in order to launch an e-commerce website, you you, you just need these platforms. This the, the these platforms are not um, you know self-hosted. They're, they're they're managed platforms, e-commerce platforms, and these um, enable you focus more on your core competences. In the same way, if you look at the back end of your business um, with regards to um, your logistics and your fulfillment, you you can actually get specialists to do it and um what what he's doing now is he's he's the glue you know basically um their, their platform is the glue so um yeah um just um yeah listen in to this episode i think it's really really good if and it gets you thinking about um your, your logistics 3pl distributed fulfillment networks and actually expanding your catalog through drop shipping enjoy hi sienna welcome to the show Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Fantastic. Um, could you take a minute or less to, to introduce yourself to, to, to listeners, please? Uh, sure. So um, so I my name is Sina, and I started my kind of e-commerce journey, I would say, um, back in 2003. Um, I've co-founded a, a company in the, in the modern furniture space and ran that for about eight years. We sold that uh, back in 2011, and I founded Duoplane um, in 2012. 
Duoplane is a company focused on helping e-commerce merchants work with a distributed supply network, so 3PLs and and um, and dropship suppliers. Interesting. Was that a pain point um, in in your previous business in in the um, furniture business you 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 um you ran between 2003 and um, 2011? Yes. Yeah, so, so Duoplane actually came basically right out of that company. Um, uh, and uh, I was the sort of operations half of the founding team. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my business partner focused much more on the marketing merchandising piece, and I focused on sort of everything else. And we worked with that business was almost 100% dropship. We worked with hundreds of different suppliers, some really small kind of, you know, mom and pop type type suppliers and some a little more sophisticated. Um, and it was just a big pain to manage. So um, my kind of focus was was trying to build some processes and some and some software. I learned to code. You know, I didn't have a, a, a CS background. Mm-hmm. Learned to code, write, wrote and rewrote software and um, and and you know built a lot of systems to help manage that business. And that's kind of directly where you know the idea for Duoplane and the, the need for Duoplane came from. Okay, yeah, absolutely. From, okay, interesting, interesting. And um, I think when you when you think about it, furniture is like you know the best use case for for, for drop shipping because people expect. Um, you know, slightly longer waits for delivery. It just is. It seems to be the best candidate. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, do, 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 what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah. Well, there are certainly some pieces of that. Like, a, you know, a large a large sofa doesn't make sense to to ship from, let's say, a manufacturer in, in Los Angeles to a warehouse in the middle of the country and then ship back to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it always made sense for large items to, to come directly from the manufacturer. But a lot of it for that business was also that we were selling, um, I would say, sort of long tail type products that that um, were were unique were sort of discovery type products that that didn't have a huge sell through rate and mm-hmm. so um, it sort of you know it made sense for us to not take an inventory position on these products but instead you know offer them through a curated catalog and um, and and you know some sold some didn't so it allowed us to be a lot more nimble and 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 kind of have more of a discovery platform um, and and you know show our, our clients some interesting products but so that was a lot of the reason for that because it was much more focused on sort of modern design and interesting new products okay okay it was more like a, a Pinterest before Pinterest um, came to the yeah, scene. yeah I mean we definitely tried to yeah we tried to make that sort of kind of sense of discovery and 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 you know interesting new things that you may never never seen before okay okay makes sense okay let's talk about a lot of listeners are, are thinking about you know i think their thoughts are how can i improve my bottom line how can i um you know sell more basically and grow the store you know get more sales through our store beyond you know marketing or with marketing what other strategies with marketing can i you know employ and um that's one of the reasons i i, I um we're, we're talking you're, you're on the show and um i think um one key growth lever point is um through increasing your well your, your catalog your offering um what, what are your thoughts on how best to do it without running too thin you know right. and without losing control because um, one of the issues with, you know, um, delegating, you know, um, fulfillment to third parties is control, you know, um, absolutely, and customer experience. Yeah, no. So I think that that's a that it is, it is a pain. I mean, there's as you 
mentioned there are some benefits to to um, to delegating to third parties. You can expand your your catalog um, and, and just be much more flexible with your catalog and sort of um, you know have that endless aisle experience that a lot of um, retailers talk about of having every color, every size. So that's that's one of the benefits of of having it. But yeah, there is a huge downside of um, of of managing that and having all of your key information and your key processes be outside of your company. Um, and so that's a lot, you know, that is a lot of kind of what we think about and, and what I personally think about. Um, and, and so I, it's in terms of advice on, on how to manage that, I mean, one is um, certainly you want to be able to um, to have a strong partnership with your with your outside suppliers. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a key thing is, is you don't want to be just another um, uh you know, another name, another kind of number on their on their list, um, because you want to have a direct relationship. So that if something does go wrong, you you can actually you know talk to them. Um, uh, I would say that you um, uh, you know you want to think about the process from from uh, both parties' standpoint in terms of uh, you know a, a process that works for you as well as that works for the supplier. Because um, you know clearly it's the the pain is also going to be on on their side as well. So mm-hmm. um, you know having an efficient way to to work with them, and and I'd say all of, a lot of that just comes down to um, to having a, 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 a relatively seamless way to automate information flow so that okay. um, you're getting information to them in a in a in a quick way. You're getting it to them in a way that's not going to be. Um, you know, lost or, or, or mishandled. So, you know, to the extent that you can automate things so that humans aren't handling things, that's great. Um, and then also you want a lot of visibility. So, and that kind of goes back to the information flow, but, you know, you need to know, um, how much inventory there is of each product. So you're not overselling things. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, you're, 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 you're buying from a shared inventory. So it's important that that's kind of kept up to date. Um, and then you also need to, you know, know your, know your order status is your, your clients are expecting you to, um, uh, to have that information. And, um, and so you need to be able to, uh, to be able to look into their system or at least have the most up-to-date, um, information back into your, um, uh, back into your system so that you can, you know, answer your, your client's questions. Um, yeah. Great great points. Great points. Um, let's touch base on the first point, which is, you know, um, establishing that relationship with, with the supplier. How are your best in class clients, you know, um, people who used to do a plane, just forging good, decent, you know, solid relationships with, with, with suppliers? Where, where do you start from? Where, where do you, how do you migrate from being just a number to being, you know, some will being a significant entity without necessarily pushing volume first? Because normally I would think that um, you push the sales and the volume and demonstrates your, you know, your, your potential, and then you you garner their attention. Do you earn it, or how do you even you know um, where do you start from? Yeah, so so part of it. I mean, part of it happens beforehand when when you're let, let's say there's a marquee vendor that that you really want to establish a relationship with, you know, and and there a lot, a lot of really good vendors are are hesitant to bring on you know more retailers, even even brick and mortar retailers. Um, you know, they're they're still going to be a little bit hesitant. But um, so establishing a relationship early on, maybe showing some. Um, other vendors that, that you've worked with that are that they would consider their peers. I mean, I think adjacency with with other types of um, companies that are that are sort of in their in their general sphere makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they see that and they say, okay, this this is a, a, a company that we want to work with. 
Um, but then beyond that, in terms of establishing a relationship and, and kind of you know becoming one of their favorite partners, um, again, what I mentioned earlier about having a system that works for both parties is important. Um, mm -hmm. And um, and having a way so that you're not a pain to them, you know, that if they want information from you in a certain format, um, that you can provide it to them, um, that if they send you information back, you know, it's not getting lost in someone's email, you're not constantly asking. And that's some of the frustrations that we hear from on the vendor side is sort of, um, is, you know, that, that maybe the retail partner isn't as organized as they want. And so it becomes a little bit of a pain. Um, and, I mean, clearly things like, you know, paying on time um, and um, and being responsive are, are other things. I mean, the other interesting thing you can do, and it's, it's hard to sometimes do this when, when you don't have a lot of power in the relationship, but I think it sets the right tone, is um, is to have, a, have just sort of an informal, not a legal document, but an informal agreement um, with your vendors and sort of establish early on that that you know you're you're really interested in 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 um, in having their brand be represented really well, and that mm -hmm. part of that is is you both working together toward the mutual benefit of the of the end customer, you know, mm -hmm. and sort of working in partnership as opposed to you know the historical sort of vendor retailer relationship, which is you know trying to squeeze each other for as much margin as you can. Um, and so I think that's that part of it is just the the kind of you know um, the soft skills of 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 establishing that as as the core reason for your relationship is sort of you know the end customer is is who you're trying to please. And you're pushing their brand, you know, right there at the fore to 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 to, to keep customers happy. Uh, right. that, make, that makes sense. Okay. Um. So from the supply side, um, especially with domestic, you know, um, you know, vendors or suppliers, what what does data look like? You know, I can imagine on the seller side, on the e, e teller side, we have lots of standardization, um, you know, and, and that is dictated by the platform you're on. So you could be on a Magento, a Shopify, a big commerce, there's standards there. Um, right. But, you know, I don't necessarily have that much visibility, you know, apart from say EDIs, you know, or CSVs. Um, on the on the vendor side, on on the brands, on on the on the supplier side, what does it look like, and and how can you seamlessly, you know, um, get both systems to, to talk about? I know that's where dual plane comes to to play, but what what are you seeing on the supplier side? Are you seeing any standardizations? Are they new, you know, any supplier, any platform similar to what we have in e-commerce starting to help them sort of streamline um, how they talk to to partners? So not really, and that is a, a one of the reasons why dual plane does exist. Is is it's all over the map on the supplier side. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the things that you mentioned are, you know, CSV files are are a very common way to to transfer information back and forth because um, they can be easily uploaded into sometimes the back end systems that the suppliers are using. Um, and EDI still exists. You know, it's from the it, technology and, and language from the 1970s. It is still very common. Uh, I mean, a lot of vendors are still receiving uh, in order information by email and, and copying and pasting things, which obviously we don't. I don't think is a great idea because there's a there's a, a lot of opportunity there for you know losing information or, or, or transferring bad information. I mean, it is sort of interesting. Actually, you mentioned Shopify and Big Commerce and Magento, but a lot of suppliers actually do have their own direct to consumer piece. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that we found ourselves doing on the supply side is actually taking information from one Shopify store, for example, and then putting it into the supplier Shopify store so that it flows through whatever other 
you know order system they have going in place. So, so um, super interesting. Some, yeah, there's some is there some standardization happening simply because a lot of them are going direct. And then uh, I was going to say, you know, the, the whole CSV thing seems like it's sort of you know uh, imprecise and, and old school. But you know, CSV files are are great from a standardization perspective because a human being can open it up and read it and maybe modify it. Um, and lots of systems can can import and export them. So um, it it seems like that's not the slickest way, but in the end, that I would say if there's any standardization, it's around um, a CSV file. I mean, they're all going to be different formats and different column headings and and things like that. But it's still a um, uh, it's it's still a nice way to kind of get an integration up and running relatively quickly. So long as you know the columns that uh, matter, you can map them to to your fields and right to the required fields. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, so let's talk about um like three PL. You know, um, your your three PL, you know, integration, you know, three PL versus drop shippers. Um, what, 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 where are you seeing a lot of activity? You know, um, I, I know, you know, e-commerce retailers, you know, modern day retailers don't tend to, to to touch their inventory. They set up standards. You know, um, use a three PL, you know, supplier, um, and um, they not not supply a three PL, you know, um, warehouse, and then they, right. they 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 handle everything. Um, yep. So, from again, your best in class um, clients or customers, um, what kind of um, ratio are you seeing um, with um, the three P three PL fulfillment versus? Um, drop shipping you know um with with third party vendors so yeah um so yeah so a lot of our clients do have a hybrid model where they have some in, some inventory that they own and they they you know as you mentioned from a best in class standpoint um we'll often work with a we usually work with a 3PL who has that core competency of of warehousing and fulfillment um and then they'll have a hybrid model where they'll, where they'll drop ships drop ship some products um, I, I don't. I don't know if there's a, a typical client because some of our clients actually just use us for like one three PL and and that's all we we talk to. And then some use us for you know one three PL and you know five hundred different dropship suppliers. And and I wouldn't say there's necessarily kind of a um, a, a best practice there. I think it depends a lot on the industry that you're in. Uh, but certainly, I mean, you know, from an overall standpoint, I would say that you know, um, you know, working with a 3PL or, or, or outsourcing your your fulfillment and and you're working with dropship suppliers is in itself a best practice and, and something that we see you know increasingly happening in the e-commerce world. You know, as, as, as companies get bigger. And um, and have more complex operations, and as they want to focus on, you know, the customer experience, and and you know, really kind of focusing on what they do best, you know, the the key best practice I'd say is, you know, not focusing as much on logistics and warehousing and 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 operations, but letting that be handled by by companies that are specializing in that, um, and especially with things you know like. You know, we see a lot of e-commerce specific 3PLs coming out that are mm-hmm. really good at things like, um, you know, gift wrapping or, or putting in handwritten notes or, mm-hmm. you know, getting an order out within two hours of it, you know, of, of the order coming in. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of really interesting um, uh, innovation happening on the 3PL side that, you know, behooves, you know, an e-commerce retailer to to take advantage of that instead of trying to build that, build that in-house. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you. And um, it's, it's what's really stimulating growth, especially in the direct-to-consumer space where, 
you know, uh, you know, e-commerce businesses are pretty much working on, on their branding, on their marketing and, you know, on just improving customer experience. And, um, you know, they, right. they, they, they outsource the technology like servers, you know, and hosting and, um, they just use, you know, um, well, um, you know, um, third party, you know, hosted, um, you know, platforms, right. um, to, to just be as nimble as possible. Um, so they're not really getting their hands dirty in warehouses or, you know, um, with cold, you know, so, so right. that makes a lot of sense. So, so where, where do you see the direction, you know, um, where, where do you see things going in the next, you know, um, next three to, to five years, um, in, in a 3PL space? Do you see more adoption, you know, um, coming or, um, do you see any consolidations? Um, do you see more drop shipping? What, what, what's your take on in the next three to five years? Um, well, I definitely, so I, one thing I just mentioned, I definitely see happening more of, which is 3PLs becoming more, um, more adept to the changing kind of needs and, and demands of the end consumer. So mm-hmm. faster shipping, faster information back, um, you know, basically, you know, trying to compete with Amazon, essentially. I mean, everyone now is, is expecting that they place an order by, you know, 2 p.m. It's going to ship out the same day. Um, and so, so, you know, the two week lead time, doesn't you know um uh doesn't cut it anymore and so um i'd say that the 3pls are definitely becoming much more focused on on trying to compete with that so and there's definitely some consolidation happening i mean i i i, I don't know the numbers but i've seen just you know uh, anecdotally with with our clients that um uh you know the the kind of small one warehouse um uh, uh, 3PL um, is maybe getting eaten up by maybe a national one that's trying to establish um, warehouses all over the country and maybe spread your inventory all over the country so that it's closer to the customer so it can get there faster and cheaper. Um, definitely, that's that's something um, that I've seen. And I mean, and same thing on that. You mentioned drop shipping. I mean, drop shipping definitely. The, the, it's I think it's the same sort of. Um, push toward being better at at being more responsive and being faster. Um, that that a lot of the suppliers realize that that's um, a piece that they that they you know can be better at and 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 just they hadn't had really the pressure to sort of ship faster or anything and and so and again to the extent that the that, that your supplier is using a a, a better 3PL um, then the dropshipping experience can become you know even more seamless where that information is getting to them faster they're shipping it out and they're getting you the 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 tracking information and inventory information you know very quickly so um, so I think we're just seeing a lot of really good improvements on the supplier side that mm-hmm. are I think a lot just being driven by the competitive pressures that are happening that and and the fact that consumers are demanding you know um, a lot faster and better service who are the fastest growing 3pl providers now in, in north america Ooh, I have. I'm not sure I'd be able to even answer that question. I actually, I don't know. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, there's some, certainly some some names out there that are you know big names like you know Rakuten, and I mean, obviously, you know, Amazon, um, you know, is is really building out their ability to um, to fulfill orders, you know, on your behalf, even if you don't ship from Amazon. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, I don't. I don't think I really would be able to answer that question um, with much authority. I, I I don't even often know who we're working with when um, when we integrate a new three PL. Interesting. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on you know platforms such as like Wayfair, you know, um, dot com, um, you know, so they 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 they're a hybrid, you know, um, the, the the hybrid business model, you know, um, they they drop ship some of their stuff and um, you know they. They deliver, you know, so they fulfill some of their stuff them, you know, themselves. Um, are you do 
you know, is, is a landscape with Amazon, you know, is, is it sustainable for them or, um, do you think they're going to have to, 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 you know, to adjust? I, I don't know. Um, someone was ranting on my Twitter, um, the other day about the, the brand. And, you know, I was like, my, my thoughts were pretty much, um, that they're a furniture business, you know, and, um, customer expectation for furniture, especially large items is in the weeks. Um, it might be reducing, um, with regards mm-hmm. to delivery, um, but they don't expect next day. So right. I still see a space for them, but you know, um, I, I was just wondering what, what your, yeah. your thoughts are. Well, I think, I mean, and this is, it's almost a general question about how, how much, like, how, how can you compete with something like Amazon if you're, you know, if you're not them? Um, and, but I think, you know, with, with Wayfair in particular, I haven't purchased anything from them in a long time, but, um, you know, in the furniture space, there are some specialty, um, you know, experiences that are, that are, that are, that are different in terms of, you know, again, like, um, sort of understanding lead times or the, or the actual shopping experience and, and how you can help someone make a buying decision based on style or how something looks in a, in a, in, in a room. So, so there's a lot around the shopping experience that's going to be, you know, different than, than Amazon. Um, and I don't know exactly what the, what the person who mentioned was was ranting about if it was about sort of service level or quality or whatever. But um, I, I think in 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 you know if, if to the extent that they are sort of still drop shipping most of their their items, um, and you know I know they have a massive catalog. I think you know supplier um, uh, having kind of good supplier scorecarding and good supplier metrics and really working with. Um, you know the the best clients and and owning that customer experience is something that's key. That you know, frankly, Amazon is is getting you know is going to be harder and harder for Amazon to do because they're you know focused much more on their marketplace selling and and I know they have their metrics and their and their you know their their ability to use sort of you know big data to figure out sort of what's what's going on. But um, it is a way for a for a, another retailer to. To, um, to compete is to really own that customer experience, you know, make sure anything that goes wrong um, gets fixed and, um, and make sure the quality of the products that, that they're selling are, you know, uh, you know, the, to the standards of, of, uh, of the brand that they're trying to portray. Interesting. Um, you, you touched upon a, you touched upon a very, very, very um, important point, which is um, supplier score cut in. Um, this is huge, especially with drop shipping. Um, you should, you know, be able to weed out, you know, um, you know, bad suppliers, basically suppliers who do not, you know, meet your, um, your standards, you know, basically from right. a, from a delivery, you know, from a deliver- deliverability and a quality standpoint. So, um, what mechanisms or what processes can retailers put in place to ensure that, um, suppliers actually do meet these standards? Um, and how can they yep. just, you know, ensure that visibility and control. Yep. Um, so, so, so part of it is, you know, visibility and control during the order process. So making sure that, you know, whoever you're working with, you're, you're getting a, a great communication back from them in terms of uh, order status. And again, even before the sale, you're getting great communication back in terms of uh, inventory status. So you're not selling anything that is out of stock. So, you know, it starts, it starts long before the, the sale process. So one is getting, you know, good product information, good images, things like that. And then on an ongoing basis, having sort of a, a almost a real-time inventory sinker as, 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 um, as frequent as possible. And then once once you get the order, um, you know, getting the order to them, making sure that that you have some confirmation process in place to know that they received it, mm-hmm. um, knowing you know in your in internally um, 
when you expect it to ship by so that you can follow up with them long before a customer calls you and say, hey, wh where's my order? Um, and so having some visibility into, into you know, when you expect it to, to ship and, and, and versus, you know, what, um, when, it, when it is actually shipping. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, as fast as possible after the, the item ships, you want to have, um, you know, that, that tracking information um, in your hands so you can give it, give it to your, your, your customers. So, I mean, it really, it's, you, you want it, you want the outside supplier to, to be almost like it's an internal, you know, part of your company. So you want as much communication and, and as fast communication as possible. So that's, that's during the, you know, the, the order process and then kind of post-sale, you know, looking at things like, um, uh, on time percent or average lead time. So how many days it takes for a, a, a vendor to, um, to between when they receive an order, when they actually ship it out. And you can use that to both, you know, address any issues or also just adjust customer expectations. So with long lead time products, you might have to just, you know, potentially adjust expectations. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, you can, you know, you can do customer surveys and look at return rates um, mm -hmm. to understand whether or not the, the quality of the product is, is what you expect it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and but and some of that is going to be kind of anecdotal or through surveys to understand sort of you know where you know or or through or through like um, product reviews to understand sort of you know is it a is it a quality product? Mm -hmm. But I'd say you know the biggest thing is 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 that you can control directly is probably going to be um, you know fulfillment speed or at least you're going to get a, a strong sense for that early on is you know are they a good partner from a from are they responsive and and um, and and getting things out as quickly as possible? Interesting because uh, you know the yeah. Does Duoplane help with with the reporting bit? You know, um, you know, in real time, just giving an overview of um, you know, certain efficiencies, certain points, you know, efficient efficiency points, you know, um, such as delivery, you know, deliverable, um, you know, dispatch times, you know, um, sure. And yeah. So, I mean, in, on our on our on our platform, if you were to log in as a, as a retailer, you would the first thing you see is just the current status of where everything is. How many orders are outstanding, but most importantly, how many orders are 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 late or might be might be becoming late, and so so that's kind of front and center, so that you can address any issues, um, and then any any order status changes that have that have happened because a vendor has maybe changed something on their end, and that's being you know sent back to you. So that's that's you know again during the order process, and you know, we try to focus the the retailer's attention on on what's happening right now and what needs their attention, um, and then. Uh, you know, on an ongoing basis, I guess we report on two different types of things. One is um, operational performance, so things like you know average lead time and how often they're on time versus late, um, or you know, for, or how often they might be early. So, um, so the operational performance, and then we do have uh, um, financial metrics in our system. Um, we have the benefit of knowing not only how much the item was sold for, but also um, uh, the wholesale cost of the item, as well as any additional fees like um, uh, shipping fees or dropship fees that might be mm -hmm. associated. So we can we can look at the the profitability of 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 each vendor, you know, down to the product level. Uh, and we also incorporate things like return rates in there, so that you can see, you know, hey, we're making a ton of money off this, but ninety percent of them are getting returned. So mm -hmm. you know, that's a red flag there. Absolutely. Um, uh, it's, uh, no, I, I see the the use case here, and um, you know, I, you know, if you're, you know, into dropship, you know, if if you're working with partners, you know, who 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 fulfilling your 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 um your 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 products, your inventory, or you know, your your, your catalog, you know, I could see the the benefits here, just the insights and the data, you know, um, you, you're able to derive besides the integration, um, our gold, you know, and it would just right. help you sieve through. 
um, you know, the, the shafts and, and, and the grain. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it sounds, sounds really, really good. Um, before I, I let you go, um, so, you know, I would, um, do you have any other tips to, to listeners? You know, um, what one tip would you give to listeners keen on, you know, um, on, on 2X and 3X and over 10X in their, their businesses, the neck, the business in the next 12 months? Um, what, what, what do you have, um, you know, what, what are you seeing there? You know, um, what, what are you seeing from, from, from your, you know, perspective with, with your customers, you know, um, who, who, who are really growing really fast? What should they implement right away in, in their businesses? Um, yeah, I don't know if I have like one single hack or anything. I mean, I would definitely say, you know, to the extent that you can, um, you can focus on, on what you do best and, and focus on, on the things that sort of make you, you know, differentiate you and differentiate your, 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 um, uh, your client's shopping experience. Um, I think that's, that's one key thing. And that's, I think when we see kind of the winners versus the, the not so winners of our client base, um, I think they're doing a good job of, of really focusing on, on differentiating the, 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 the end customer experience. And, you know, that's kind of a lot of where we come in is helping them work with outside suppliers so they don't have to be logistics companies. You know, um, you know, we still, uh, we're trying to help people get onto, you know, hosted and, 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 and third-party platforms for their e-commerce platforms. So they don't have to worry about being, you know, it, it people themselves. Um, and I think that's kind of where we see the companies that are winning are really the ones that are focusing on brand, on customer experience, on really owning that customer experience mm-hmm. from kind of end to end. Um, and and not just being kind of a generic catalog, but, you know, really differentiating that 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 every piece of that experience with the, the end customer. Good point. Just focus on, on what you're, you're best at, which is finding the customers and retaining the customers and, you know, and, and just, um, you know, improving customer experience and your brand. I have one question I was going to ask you, you know, initially, which was um, um, another issue with working with third parties is invoices and receipts, paperwork, basically, um, at the point of delivery. Um, so with, um, in a use case with, with dual plane, um, can I, for instance, um, if I was to work with my supplier, um, uh, you know, send, um, my customer receipts, um, through dual plane, um, and then they just use or print out that receipt and put it in, um, in, in, in the delivery. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so, so we do send a packing slip with, okay. um, uh, along with, we, and we make it available through our vendor portal so they can mm. download it. But that is something that we provide. Um, and, and we also, you know, we can send the information. A lot of 3PLs will print out their own packing slips because it's all part of a big, long, automated, you know, sort of um, you know, conveyor belt chain. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, you know, we provide the information to them. Um, so so um, that, that tends to be, you know, um, that, that tends to be something that depending on the, the requirements of the, of the vendor, we can, we can certainly, you know, help with. Okay. Um, so, so they're packing slips, not receipts or invoices. So I- they're they're packing slips. They can have they can have pricing information on them. So I mean, okay. but you know, I, I, they don't. I guess they don't say the word invoice on them. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, and then I mean, there's the other piece of it, which I thought you were going to actually talk about, which is the invoicing and the payment to the supplier, which is also mm. a massive pain. Um, and that that is definitely something also that kind of is built into the system as as far as you know understanding how much you owe the supplier. Um, for each shipment and, and being able to automate that payment process so that, you know, you're not 
keying in, you know, ten thousand invoicing, ten thousand invoices every month into your, mm-hmm. you know, internal systems, because um, that that is one of just the big pains of this. Is every piece of information is now like this microtransaction that's being sent, um, and you're getting, you know, thousands of them per day. So, sure. so, so it's aggregated, so you could summarize it, and you know exactly what your your suppliers. Right. Right. Can you pay through Duoplane or? Um not not directly. I mean, we have integrations with a few accounting systems that then uh, then integrate with um, you know automated payment solutions and and things like that. Uh, okay. But we mostly keep, help you keep track of how much is owed, and then we transfer that information over to accounting systems. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, thank you very very much for for making it to the show, Cena. Um, how if people wanted to reach out to you, how best? Um, what's the best way to to, to get in touch? Uh, I mean, certainly by email. I'm happy mm-hmm. to answer any questions. Um, so my email is just Sina, S-I-N-A, at duoplane.com. Okay. Um, so if you have any questions at all about, you know, operations, fulfillment, drop shipping, I'm more than happy to answer anything. Okay, sounds good. I will link um, through to, to both Duoplane and um, I'll add your email to the show notes of the show. Thank you so much for, you know, sharing your, your knowledge and on logistics on, and expanding through, you know, 3PL and um, drop shipping. It was, it, was, it was a pleasure, you know, having you on the show, Sina. My pleasure as well. And hopefully I was helpful. Cheers. Okay, thanks. So thank you for joining me on today's episode. To download the show notes and read the full transcripts and previous episodes of the show, head over to 2xecommerce.com forward slash podcast. Um, also, be sure to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Kunle T. Campbell. New episodes of 2X e-commerce podcast come out every Wednesday. If And if you haven't already, please write us a review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with friends on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. 2X e-commerce is produced by me, Kane Campbell, with the help of Bourbon Markedge. Thank you for listening and catch you next week. Cheers. So that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2X e-commerce. Remember, you can catch me every week and also send your questions and comments on Twitter using the hashtag 2X e-commerce. Keep yourself in the loop by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. It only takes a few seconds and it means you'll get the most up-to-date episodes to help you grow your online store. Do have a good one till I catch you on the next show. Bye-bye.